I speak to you in the name of one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. This past week, a friend from seminary sent me an article titled, Selected Negative Teaching Evaluations of Jesus Christ. And the article was from a Daily Humor website and provided evaluations of Jesus as a teacher. All of these made up, of course, from the perspective of modern-day students. You know how at the end of a course or the end of a semester, students are often given a survey where they can evaluate the teacher in the class. Well, here's a few of the evaluations of Jesus' teaching from this particular article. Inconsistent attendance policy. Said we had to be in class by 9 a.m. every day. Over half the class showed up late or didn't attend until the last meeting, but we all got the same participation grade. (laughs) Our next one, kind of absent-minded. My name's Simon, and he's called me Peter for the entire semester. (laughs) Doesn't respect students' time. A line of us had been waiting outside his office for over an hour. Finally, he showed up, said, and the last shall be first, and started seeing us in reverse order. Made me late for work study. Won't give straight answers. I asked him if something was going to be on the test, and he said, you say that it will be, and stared at me with no expression. I mean, come on, bro. (laughs) And last but not least, inaccessible. He told me he'd be in his office. I walked all the way there, and the door was open, and he was gone. (laughs) And as silly as all these evaluations may seem, a few of them point to the ways in which the values of the kingdom of God are counter to the ways of the world. Bishop Michael Curry describes it as a kingdom not born of or controlled by the powers of the world. And we see this clearly in Luke's gospel, the book from which this morning's lesson comes. In Luke, the author pays special attention to the ways in which Jesus brings those on the edges, those on the outside of the social order, back to God. You think about the story of the prodigal son who is welcomed home by a father whose love seems almost reckless, or the Magnificat where Mary, a peasant girl, sings a song of revolution about the coming of the Messiah. Even the verse before the lesson we just heard this morning is the famous line where Jesus says, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. God's dream is to draw all people closer and closer to God's loving embrace. And we see, especially in Luke's gospel, how this mission is at the very center of Jesus' work. Yet it's also this mission that put Jesus on the wrong side of characters like Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee and the son of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas also wished to lead the people of Galilee into a new world, a world where Rome was at the center, 
and whose values of strength and order, imperial ambition, differed significantly from that which Jesus proclaimed. Herod and his followers likely saw Jesus, the one who was proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God, as a threat. And as we hear in our gospel this morning, the Pharisees warn Jesus that Herod is out to kill him. But Jesus doesn't have time for that kind of talk. Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. Jesus dismisses Antipas as powerless to stop him from establishing God's kingdom on earth. Sort of like we see in various instances throughout John's gospel, Luke depicts how Jesus' enemies have no power to stop his mission and ministry. Nothing will prevent Jesus from doing those things that Jesus does. He has work to do. And even when Herod threatens violence, Jesus, undeterred, carries on with his work of drawing all people back to God. Now, I imagine it would have been easy to counter Herod's death threat with another act of violence. Often, violence begets violence. But Jesus doesn't do that. He does call Herod a fox, I'll give him that. And he does recall the murderous actions taken against the other prophets in Jerusalem. But the main image Jesus leaves his hearers with in response to Herod's threat and in response to Jerusalem acts of violence is of a mother hen protecting and keeping her chicks safe. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? It's an interesting metaphor. First, as I just mentioned, Jesus could have resorted to a much more violent metaphor, or he could have even gone on an aggressive diatribe. In fact, his followers were probably expecting that. But instead, he veers into a motherly lament of his desire to gather the people of Jerusalem under his care, just as a hen gathers her young under her wings. Now, when a hen hatches her eggs, her priority becomes protecting her babies, and she will go to great lengths in order to do so. And those of you who are parents probably know better than any of us the urge to protect your children at all costs. I imagine the hardest thing as a parent, one of the hardest things a parent could ever go through, is to see their child suffer. And in a similar way, God mourns when God's children suffer. In this story, we see Jesus lament at the ways God's children have strayed from God's love. How what God desires is to gather all of God's children, even those who have strayed, even those who have lost their way, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Jesus' lament over Jerusalem is less about judgment and more about a call to repentance, a call to return to the God whose desire it is 
to gather God's children closer and closer to God's embrace and to God's love. During this season of Lent, where we as Christians are called to pay special attention to those ways that we have strayed from God, I think it's important to carry this image of God as a mother who longs to gather her children under the shelter of her wings with us. To look at those places in our lives and in our communities where we have strayed, knowing that God's desire, God's mission, is to bring every last one of us back home. Amen.